Welcome to season two, episode 18 of Bearded Wholesome and All Things Baltimore. With me today is a former co-worker and a good friend, Maria Fry of Exit Results Realty. How are you doing today? I'm great. Feeling good. It's good to see you, Maria. Uh, just to kind of give a background to the listeners today, uh, we have been co-workers in the past. We never worked at the same uh facility for the state but we had done a lot of training together a lot of in-service together and gotten to know each other over the years uh we roughly started around the same time back in the mid uh 2010s and uh you've made the transition from full-time correctional officer to full-time real estate agent so how has that process been for you uh it was a little rocky in the beginning it's hard to toggle real estate when you have to lock your phone up for eight hours uh, but I made it work for six and a half years, full-time uh, correctional officer and part-time realtor. And then last year in September, I left uh, the Department of Public Safety and I jumped into real estate full-time and there's no turning back. It's been nothing but going up. You know, every day is something new and it's definitely been an adventure, uh, but I finally found my passion, and it's much more positive than working in the prior environment. So, I, I can imagine uh, our profession that you know that we're in that you were in it definitely had its pitfalls, and the negativity can kind of seep in and take over. And I know that we've had a couple conversations during our times in 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 service training and stuff that you know this wasn't going to be something that you feel like you could do forever. And you seem to have found your groove as a real estate agent. So like to kind of touch on something when you were in the, in the facilities and you were working full time for the state, was it, was it a damper having to lock your phone away for eight to 16 hours, knowing that this is something that you wanted to do? Was it like an internal struggle for you to actually be at work and be present mentally knowing the job that we did? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it made it very difficult. But I did, you know, I, I had to call out sometimes to deal with clients and, and go to closings and show homes. And I still made it my priority, um, especially towards the end of my time with DOC, just because I really wanted to make it work. And I know there's, you know, there's no such thing as failure if you keep trying. So that failure wasn't an option. And I haven't failed and I won't fail. <laughs> so. That's a, that's a good thing. I just know that uh, you are a positive person. You always ha had a lot of positivity in our training classes and, and just the overall – your overall personality and your character, just you exuded positivity wherever you were. And I know that you, you wanted to you know do something that made you happy, and putting your all into it while being locked down was probably a hard thing to do, but you, you made the transition right in the height of the pandemic. What was that like? It was scary. It was really scary. Uh, but I knew it was time and I feel like, you know, I had signs from the universe telling me it was time, you know, and, and one day it's not, I didn't plan it. I just went into work one day had a rough day, you know, a rough hour, because I think it was the first hour I left. And I just said, you know what? It's time. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go in. I'm going to jump both feet in. And I wish I would have done it seven years ago. <laughs> so, yeah. 
I can I can imagine that was that was gonna be one of my next questions is was there just was this like a, a I know that you were part time for the six and a half years that you that you were talking about but you a lot of people you know know that what we do is dangerous and there's a lot of negativity and a lot of negative aspects to it but there's also job security there's your insurance your retirement uh what was it like knowing that you were leaving that behind and i'm not saying that you obviously you made a great choice for yourself and i'm so happy for you in the fact that you did that and that you're thriving what was it like leaving that type of job security when you're now jumping in with both feet as you said in the middle of a pandemic and there's no safety net yeah that was the scariest part of all losing my benefits i the pay i wasn't worried about the pay the benefits are what kept me going in the state for the 10 years I was there. Um, but I had to decide, you know, if I stick it out 10 more years and retire, will I be alive to enjoy my retirement? Because I was so personally, I was very stressed out with the job. It, it caused me a, a lot of stress and anxiety. And when I had to step back and think about it, I decided I want to do what makes me happy. I'm 41 years old. You know, am I really helping people in there? I think some people we do help, but I enjoy real estate more because I feel like I'm helping more more people. Not in the same way, of course, but still helping people. And you know, like I said, the positivity, but the benefits—they um, were hard to leave. They were really hard to leave. <laughs> uh, that 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 was just you know, I, I do have that question for a lot of people that do leave DOC or just the state uh, workforce in general because. That that's a bit, that's a huge part of it because we don't get paid a lot of money for what we do, and the benefits seem to kind of make up for it in in this in a in a slight manner. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you is about your career now, being a correctional officer for ten years, and being that you worked in a maximum security with lifers, and it was a high medium security, so. You were very security conscious. You were very about your job. You were professional. You you had your head on your shoulders. What's the transition like with your thought process on dealing with civilians in a professional setting in a professional manner as opposed to how you had to conduct yourself on the job? Was there a hard transition that you had to like kind of kick some things personally to relate to people a little bit more and to not see everything as in black and white with no shades of gray as you had to as a CO? I'm still working on that part. It's hard <laughs> for me to trust people sometimes. I have a hard time with trust. Um, but overall, I've found it actually has helped me a lot. And I do a lot of work in the city with investors and it helps me. I know multiple agents that they won't go down to these, you know, neighborhoods that you have, you know, $5,000 properties, board ups everywhere, drug dealers on the street, street corner, they won't go down there. I'll go down there after dark. I mean, it, it gave me, and, you know, I won't be uh, stupid about it. I have, you know, I carry pepper spray and a knife, but I've never had an issue. And I think a lot of, of that has to do with how I carried myself in the prison. And when I'm out here, you know, I, I carry myself a certain way. And never had an issue. So I think that's definitely helped me. But it's also given me the patience that I needed to deal with certain, you know, deals that I have. 
that are high anxiety, because I always say, I hear some people complain about real estate deals, and I'm like, this is nothing compared to working in the prison. I mean, this, my worst day in real estate is still better than my best day in the prison. I can, I can only imagine. And I just know that corrections can kind of either jade you to the public completely, or they can... Or it can help you deal with everybody on a on a little bit of a different level. Everybody's different when it comes to how the line of work changes you. And I'm sure going into the city, I mean, you were walking. I mean, Delta Delta. You were <laughs> you were in intake. You worked lockup. You you pretty much did everything in that jail. So I get it. The streets a little bit different, but the, I think that it kind of gives you a little bit of an extra edge compared to your competitors like you were saying and i'm sure you're the people that you work with appreciate the fact that you're willing to go pretty much anywhere to make the job work and to make the deals work in your favor and in their favor simultaneously definitely yeah it it definitely does so n- now that you've kind of settled in and um you've been in the in the in the uh real estate world for a solid year now as a full-time uh real estate agent what are some of the areas that you do your most business and you help customers find their homes are are you more centrally located to the city or are you all over all over the place i mean primarily anne arundel county howard county harford county baltimore county um i mean I, i i even travel out western maryland so I'm pretty much all over because I am full time. So I have the luxury of going wherever I'm needed. Um, and, uh, you know, I try to stay up to date uh, when, you know, the interest rates and what's going on with the market. And um, so far, I mean, even though it's a seller's market, it's really it's really going great, even with buyers. Um, so it's just really remarkable to work both sides of the deal with sellers, you know, getting ready to move, sell their home or with buyers. I work a lot with uh, first-time home buyers. Um, a lot of lenders I work with, they provide first-time home buyer incentives. So that helps them get into a house sometimes for less than it would be, actually most times for less than it would be for, you know, first month's rent and a down payment. So I really enjoy that because, I mean, you're helping a first-time buyer. What's greater than buying your, your first house, you know? Not uh, much other than having your first kid. Uh, yeah, I, I, I remember, uh, going house hunting with my wife and, uh, we actually ended up buying the first house we looked at. We looked at a, about a half dozen houses and it's overwhelming when you're going from an apartment to buying your first home and you really are just looking for a shorter list of necessities. And now is there, when you're dealing with clients that are buying and selling do you notice the difference between a first-time home buyer's requirements as opposed to somebody that has a house, wants to sell, and then buy? Does the list of essentials grow dramatically as opposed to somebody that's just moving out of their parents' house or moving out of their apartment into their first home? I find at first, it seems first-time buyers come in with uh, they want a lot more than they can actually get. Um some not so much, but I find that more with first-time buyers. They don't really because they're not. They don't understand the market yet. They don't understand what they can afford. They don't understand the process and that you have closing costs and things like that. Um, so, 
Yeah, I, I, it, it, I see that more with first-time buyers, actually, rather than people that already know what they want. They're straightforward, like, this is what I want. First-time buyers, you sound like you were a great first-time buyer, but normally first-time buyers, and men are typically, I don't want to stereotype, but men are typically easier clients, um, um, typically. I mean, I, I didn't have a whole lot of requirements. Uh, we actually bought our house when I made canine, if you can remember. So yeah. uh, we we were living in Cockeysville in an apartment up in up on up on Cranbrook Road. I'm at the jail one day. I get an email that says I made canine, and then I call the number, and they're like, "Hey, you need a house." I'm like, "Uh, okay." I had no money saved for the we had no money saved for a down payment for a house, so we literally went in and put down zero percent on our first home. So we looked at a bunch of houses. We ended up falling in love with this house that we live in now. Um, I wanted the essential, bare essentials. I, I wanted central air. I wanted hardwood floors. And I wanted a decent basement for like a man cave. I, that's what I wanted. I didn't care about anything else. I didn't care if it was two bedroom, three bedroom. But now that I've been a homeowner with my wife for almost eight years now, now our list is steadily growing on what we want our next house to be. And our first list was like five or six lines. And now we're talking at like we're in like pages in our notes on our phone. So it's a little bit it's a little bit different, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. No, I I, I see your dilemma there. (laughs) (laughs) I think that happens. So how people outgrow their house sometimes, you know, it's like, well, I really want this because once you've lived there a while, you realize what you really want for the next one. Yeah. Is it hard for you as an agent to kind of quell some people's ex- expectations? Like, like you just mentioned that you sometimes have people that want more than what they can afford. Um, is that a hard part of the job where you have to kind of temper expectations so you don't not only let them down, but potentially lose their business thinking they can go find another real estate agent that can get them what they want? Is it, is it, a, is it a tough balancing act? It can be, but I mean, most of the time, once they see that pre-approval, a lot of people go out looking for houses before they're pre-approved and see the the way it's supposed to work is you get pre-approved first and then you go look at houses, but people click on Zillow and I'm actually a a Zillow partner. And so I answer calls for Zillow as well, as well as working for my brokerage and bringing my own people. And when they click connect with an agent, I'm one of those agents that answers. And I find that most of the time people aren't pre-approved. So they think they're clicking on, I want a $400,000, $500,000 house. And then when they get pre-approved, they in for a shock. Unfortunately, they're only pre-approved for maybe 300. So it kind of opens their eyes with that. Normally the lender side of it helps to explain that. And then also what I'll do is I'll show them houses in that price range and they'll start to realize, okay, in our price range, we're not going to get all this. So I like to actually show them. I'll take the time to go show them the house that I know deep down they can't afford it, but I'll still go show it to them to so they can see what is in that price range, just to kind of guide them through it. And they always appreciate that. And that, that's a, that's a good, uh, that's a good strategy and an approach to take with people to where you, you actually are hands on and you go and show them, this is what you can get. This is more along the lines of your price range where you're not going to be tapped out because my wife and I, we went and got pre-approved 
but we sat in there, you know, they went through our financials. They looked at our debt to income ratio, our input to output. Uh, if we had any open, you know, uh, debts that, you know, weren't being paid, stuff like just the standard stuff I would expect. And yeah. we got approved for $350,000. And we were like, oh, my God, we got approved for $350,000. But then when we started, you know, talking to our loan officer, he was like, yeah, but you're talking about with no money down, you're now talking about a $3,500 a month mortgage or a $3,200 a month mortgage. And yeah, you're looking in these nice county areas that have low taxes, but you're going to pay a lot for the house because you have nothing to put down. So we actually ended up spending half of that. We, we purchased our house for 175000 and it worked out because the seller had to have a short sale because she had to move to Utah in 40 days. Nice. So, so she ate closing costs because she put the house, she put our house on the market for 175. Nobody bought it, so she put it back down to 169.5. And when we put our offer, and I was like, "Look, we'll give you." We told her uh, real estate agent, "We're like, look, we'll give, tell her we'll give her what her original asking price was. Just eat the closing costs." So the closing costs ended up being the difference into what she had the house listed for at the right time. So. It was it was a perfect storm and we were in there within 50 days, 60 days. And I know most of the time that process is what, about three months, maybe. Normally from from the time you sign the contract to the time you're at the closing table, 30 to 45 days. OK. Yeah. OK, because I know some people have, you know, I've seen people say that it takes a little bit longer. You know, if they if, if the like uh, if the seller has a uh, offer in on another house that it's, there's a contingency on whether yes. they, they, they sell theirs before they can buy. So the process takes a little bit longer. Yeah. Is that a, is that a more complicated situation when you're dealing with somebody that's selling and buying at the same time? It is definitely more complicated, but I love a good challenge. Um, I've had a few of those, uh, recently and it went smooth. I mean, one of them, she ended up, uh, closing the same day on her, house she was uh selling and the buyers got their key that day um and then yeah i mean it 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 happens all the time especially you know that's why a lot of people aren't selling right now because they're like if i sell where do i buy how am i going to get into a home that's how you get into a home you put the contingency in there so it's still doable but yeah i mean it takes longer it can take two three months absolutely but it's worth it to all parties. You know, some people aren't, some buyers aren't in a rush to get in and the sellers hurry up and find a house. And like you said, it, it creates the perfect storm. So it, it definitely works for people. I would imagine that that's a, 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 a tough situation right now because, uh, you know, we, we've contemplated looking for a, a bigger house because we want to expand our family and we feel like we're starting to outgrow it. The house that we're in. Um, I have a little bit of an emotional connection because this is, our first house we purchased as a married couple. We brought our daughter home here from the hospital. So there's a lo- there's a lot of sentimental attachment to the house, and I, sometimes I feel like I put a higher value on what my house should be than what it might actually be. Um, but one of my really good friends uh, was living down in La Plata with his in-laws, and he just said that houses are going for such a, a crazy amount of money right now that. They were putting in offers twenty thousand above asking price, and they were still getting shot down. They weren't even in the top five. Um, yeah. Is 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 that is the housing market really that volatile right now to where it's just everything is so far above market value? 
I'd say during the summer it was even worse with, you know, 10 to 20 offers on every house. I'm not seeing as many offers on houses now, but there's still multiple offer situations. But yeah, I mean, the market's still very high. I don't know that it'll come down. I, uh, I'm i actually uh, in the process of buying a home myself. I'm looking around. I, I haven't found one yet, but uh, the market is very volatile. It, it I don't. I just don't know which direction it's going and no one does. So I just feel like it'll just level out. That's what I feel like. I don't think it's going to drop. I feel like it'll just kind of level out, which it's kind of done now. Uh, it's, it's leveling out. You're seeing the days on market uh, longer than previously in the summer. I mean, they were gone two, three days. Now we're like, you know, seven to 10 days on the market. So it's definitely taking a different direction, but it's slow going. So, I wanted to ask you, that was, that was cool that you brought it up. Now that you're in real real estate full-time and you're a realtor, what's it like having to do it all day for other people and then you're in the process of looking for it yourself? Do you ever feel like a, a sense of burnout that, oh, my God, I do this all day long and now I want to move into another house myself? Does it kind of like exhaust you in the process mentally of just like looking for something for yourself? No, it actually helps me because while I'm on there looking for clients for houses, I come across houses that might suit me. Um, but I'm not in a rush. So I have a house. I own it already. It, I'm not in a rush at all. But I live in a city. I live in not a great neighborhood. And uh, I actually just had an incident with Squeegee Boys. Uh, oh, lovely. A few days ago. Pretty bad incident. Um, and uh it's an intersection that I have to go through every single day, multiple times a day. So I would like to get out of here, but it's not, you know, again, the prison helped me handle myself in that situation. Um, and uh, so when I can, I will. But no, I don't get burnt out. I, I love it. I really genuinely love what I do and um, the sense of freedom and just being able to make my own schedule and attend, you know, different work functions. I mean, my brokerage is constantly having work functions and, and where you mingle with people and it's just great. It's really uh, uplifting and positive and I needed it. <laughs> Speaking of uh, your, your, your atmosphere at work, obviously we both know where you came from in terms of the atmosphere. What was it like for you to settle into the atmosphere of an office setting where you're not in combat boots and a uniform and now you're in civilian clothing you're in a in a controlled office setting where uh, probably 99.9 percent .9 of the other people don't have your life experiences and this is what they've been doing full time for the longest time that you can think what was it like settling into the atmosphere and and letting that tension and that anxiety go it definitely took some time um but I mean, overall, it was fine, I guess, because I did so long part time and my brokerage is really like a family. So they accepted me fully. I mean, we have firefighters. We have uh, people that were uh, servers. We have cooks. We have all sorts. I mean, you know, all sorts of different careers that have now changed over to doing real estate. So, um, you know, it, it, it was a pretty smooth transition going into full time overall. I mean, it was scary, but. Overall, my, my brokerage has held my hand through it. My cousin, Bob, is one of the top five agents in our office, and he has held my hand through it. Um, 
you know, I've recruited a, a past client into being a, a realtor now, um, who I also assist when I can. And it's just really a great, uh, it's been a great transition really overall. So I don't miss the combat boots. Uh, I can, I can imagine. And, uh, I'm making it my goal in my next uh, career. Once I'm ready to move on, I don't want to wear a uniform anymore. I don't want to wear a badge. I don't want to wear combat boots. I just, I want to, I want to wear normal clothes to work. That's a goal of mine in the future that I'm working towards. But, um, Maria, I wanted to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, this has been a delightful interview. I'm, I'm so happy for you that you're doing well with uh, the real estate market, and you seem to be so much more refreshed and not bogged down by the system. And I've, I remember running into you at JCI a couple of times last summer before you were ready to, to roll out, and then you told me in the parking lot one day, like, hey, I'm, I'm about to be out, you know. And I was sad because we always used to – sit in the same area in training and we would have good conversations and you were always very engaging and, and you had a wealth of knowledge in our line of work. So the fact that you picked it up so quick as a full-time real estate agent and you're, you were able to give me some knowledge and some insight to the whole situation and to your, your line of work now was really enjoyable. And uh, I wanted to thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks. If you decide to get into real estate in a few years, just let me know. <laughs> I will. So before I let you go, uh, let the listeners know where can they find you on social media? What what website can they find you to potentially be uh, customers? So I uh, I'm with Exit Results Realty, and my website is Maria Fry F R E Y at ServingCentralMaryland dot com, and that's my website. Uh, you know, and uh, Facebook. Unfortunately, I got. <laughs> My Facebook got banned. So, uh, shocking. Back, uh, back about a few months ago. So, I made a new one, but my business page is attached to it. So, I lesson learned on that one. But now I just have my Facebook. You know, you can find me, Maria Fry, F R E Y. Um, you know, so yeah, I, 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 I stood up to a scammer. Okay. And I got, and I got banned. I remember, I remember you posted the screenshots before you got banned. So I tried to do good and I got banned, but you know, it's the algorithm. So, oh, well, what can you do? Make a new one. <laughs> well, I, I, I hope that you, uh, have a good rest of the, the night. I know that you said you got some business to attend to and, uh, it's great catching up with you, Maria. I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad that we got a chance to sit down and, uh, have this interview. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. You too. All right. Have a good night, Maria. You too. Thanks.